microphone. Wonderful to see. Um, so this morning we are finishing up uh, a, a series that we've been doing um, on uh, family and what it means to be the intergenerational church. And so today is a wonderful day um, to talk about that because we have a picnic afterwards, a church picnic where we have an opportunity um, to all come together and be together, which is going to be great. So um, I hope you can stay for that. I hope you've brought food or you can run off and and grab some food and come. We've got uh, volleyball and we've got some stuff for for kids as well. So um, come and join us afterwards for, for a picnic. Uh, but if you have, if you've missed it over the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, and, and spending some time talking about what it means to be an intergenerational church. So we actually spent some time getting to know. Uh, one another a little bit. We talked about uh, the different generations that uh, might be represented here at Rivers. So from the builder generation through to the alpha kids, the alpha generation, uh, and then all of us in between. And we acknowledge that every uh, generation brings something great, brings something great to the church family and uh, contributes great things to our church family. Um, And we also acknowledge that there are generational differences as well. There's things that are different about the generations and sometimes that can make it uh, challenging to be an intergenerational church. Um, And we talked about how it's actually easier if we were to just separate, because that's often how society does it. We kind of separate out and sort of stay in our our age group of generations, if you will, but um, that's because that's the easier thing to do. Um, But then we also talked about how we, and this is Tim talked about last week, how we are also one through Jesus. Uh, So in the kingdom, there are no generations. We're not separated into generations. We are just one people um, because of Jesus. Jesus binds us together. He is our unifying factor and our common ground. We are one. We just are. That is the reality of the kingdom. But we also need to work out what that means and what that actually looks like on the ground um, in church. What does, that, what does that actually look like? To unify his family um, and uh, to serve and love one another despite our differences uh, in generations. So um, that's what we're going to be talking about today, is, uh, is what it means to be an intergenerational church family on the ground. And I'll give you a hint, it has a lot to do with love. Um, it's a community that makes room for everybody. It's a community that welcomes everybody, all generations, includes everybody, encourages everybody, all people. Um, and this is a really important thing because this isn't something that we see happening. Like I said, in many places in our culture and our society today, church is a really unique place for that reason because it's somewhere where we do all come together, all generations. But at the same time this morning... Um, I guess I don't want to sugarcoat it as well. I think that we need to also um, look at some of the reality um, that's happening uh, in the Australian church. Um, Because statistically, this intergenerational church ideal um, actually isn't the reality in the larger Australian church context. So here we go. Um, Anna's all over it. Thanks, Anna. So here's some some different statistics um, that I've come across um, over the last few years. Um... And the first is that uh, over two-thirds of the Australian church is over the age of 50 currently. So two-thirds over the age of 50. And we also, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, 
but actually um, over two-thirds, actually over 70% in the latest um, Barna World Vision study that Tim talked about last week, um, it says that uh, yeah, over 70% of young people are actually, who grow up in church are actually leaving the church in adulthood. That's something that we're seeing happening um, at the moment. And uh, as well as that, globally, so this is a global figure, 18 to 29-year-olds are making up only 10% of the global church. That's a whole generation there um, that's actually only making up 10% of the whole global church. So there is an identified trend here. The Australian church is seeing a decline in our younger generations. So I don't, I don't tell you these things this morning uh, because I want to make us feel sad or, or feel bad uh, or anything like that, even though that may be the response that you have. That's certainly um, how I felt as I first came across these things. I tell you these things today simply because it's the truth simply because it's the truth. It would be amazing if this, this wasn't true and we didn't have to worry about these things, but, but it, it is true, and therefore, I believe it's something that we should pay attention to. Uh, more and more, there is an empty seat at our family table. We talked about our family table, and I'm talking about the Australian uh, church family table because the Australian church is aging, uh, and that is absolutely not to say that there is anything wrong with aging uh, in itself, but when the church population ages, while at the same time young people leave, well, there's a real risk there, isn't there? There's a real risk there. There's a risk to the future church. So I believe that we have a responsibility as a church family and particularly as an intergenerational church family to care deeply about this and to care deeply about the next generation. And um, I just want to say too, like, I feel this responsibility on my shoulders. It's really kind of what I dedicate my life to in, in many ways. I feel this on my shoulders because I count myself among the church. This is a church responsibility. So it's our responsibility. Um, and yes, of course, yes, of course, Jesus is king. Yes, of course, Jesus builds his church, and this is his church, and we are one in him, but it's still something to pay attention to. So uh, the passage that we're looking at today uh, is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, what's happening here in this passage is that uh, Moses, who has been the leader of the Israelites for all these years, um, he is now, his time is beginning to draw to a close. His time is drawing to a close. He's, he's led the, Israelite, um, the Israelites out of Egypt and in this amazing escape from the Egyptian army. And then uh, through all of those years of wandering in the desert, he's led them through all of this. And now that generation is dying. And, uh, and the new generation is coming up, which means that it's finally time for the Israelites to enter the promised land. Um, and Moses is preparing to hand that baton of leadership over to a new generation. So that's what's happening here. And in, uh, in chapter 6, we find that Moses, um, as he prepares for this transition to this new generation, he, uh, he, he repeats the law to them once again. He gives them the law. He repeats the Ten Commandments, so all of the really important stuff. Um, and then he says this in Deuteronomy. This is chapter 6, verse 4 to 9. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. 
and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I love Moses' instruction here uh, to take this really important message that the Israelites carry, this vital message of the one true God, um, this literally life-giving message that God has given them, and what does he say to do with it? Teach it to the children. Teach it to the children. So I hope um, that you're picking up on the generational theme here. Moses, who is about to hand over to a new generation, and he tells this new generation, well, make sure that what I'm telling you, you repeat that to your children, and then they'll repeat that to their children, and then so on, and so on, and so on. The key, the key to keeping this message that we carry alive is to continue to teach it to the next generation. Another version of this same passage, and I think it's the one we've got on the screen, and it says, it uses the language, impress it on your children. Um, And this is really cool. The original Hebrew word uh, for this word impress is the word shenan. And it means, and I think this is really cool, it means to sharpen or prepare. Uh, And it is often used in the context of preparing or sharpening a sword. But here, Moses uses it to refer to the way that Israel is to prepare their children. Sharpen them as you would a sword for battle. Train them and teach them and prepare them in the ways of God. I love how vivid that picture is. Um, And I think it's really intentionally strong language that Moses uses here. Teach, prepare, sharpen the children so that each generation may take up the baton and that they may in turn impress upon and prepare and sharpen the generation coming after them and after them and after them. This is how we carry our message of God's love and grace. We make sure that the generation coming after us is prepared to take up the baton. So the key takeaway, I think, for us here this morning, as we wrap up this series, we've been talking about uh, family and being intergenerational, um, is that God has always given his people and his church the responsibility to teach and prepare the coming generations. We, the church, have a responsibility to the younger generations to prepare them well to run their race, to teach and guide and encourage and mentor and love each generation that comes after us, preparing them to carry this life-giving message of ours. I want to be really clear here that this isn't just a message, actually, to the older generations among us, but it is a message to all of us. Uh, we learned that there are actually six generations alive on earth at the moment, six generations represented here as well at Rivers, which means that five of those generations have a younger generation than them. We all have a responsibility to the future generations of the church and to this message of grace that we carry. We all receive the baton and we all pass the baton on. We all have a responsibility. So in Luke... 
In, in the book of Luke, uh, in chapter 15, Jesus tells some stories about the lengths that he would go to for someone that is lost. You're probably very familiar with these stories. Uh, but in, so this is Luke chapter 15, verse 4. Uh, he tells the story of the, the lost sheep. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. God created his church to be a community that loves and cares for each other. We are one in him, all generations together in Christ, and that's the picture of his kingdom. But Jesus also makes it clear again and again and again through the gospels, and especially through this story, that he cares deeply about those who are lost and those who have departed from the flock and who need to be found again. So I think there's a message for the church here. Yes, of course, all generations matter. Of course they do. Um, And yes, of course, every person at this family table matters. But if someone in this family struggles, if someone is missing even from the family table, we all have a responsibility to care about that because that's what family does. So I think we need to take these trends that we're seeing in the Australian church seriously. I think we need to care about um, the amount of younger people who are leaving the church and leaving faith I think we need to care about the struggles that they face with anxiety and loneliness that uh, Tim talked about last week. And I think we need to care about the fact that the Australian church is aging. I think if we take these words in Deuteronomy and and Jesus' words in Luke seriously, we realize that we actually have a responsibility here to care deeply about these things. But more than that, we have a responsibility to do something. So that's what I want to talk about with the time that we have left this morning, is what can we do? What can we do here? We've talked a lot about what it means to be church family and intergenerational and this responsibility that we have to each other and and to the younger generations, but what does that look like? How does that play out? Um, How can we continue to be intentional here at Rivers in our church context about being an intergenerational church? Well, there's three main things uh, that I want to talk about this morning, and this is Definitely not an exhaustive list. Uh, There's just three things, and you probably see they're pretty simple things. Um, I love simple things. Uh, But I think that they're things that we see in Scripture as hallmarks of God's kingdom. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning uh, when it comes to being an intergenerational church is the importance of engaging with one another. Engaging with one another. Very simply, this just means showing up. It means showing up. It means being here. It means interacting and sharing in life together. We see this all through uh, the book of Acts and the early church, this amazing community. I'm sure you've heard about it. This amazing community that just intentionally showed up for each other, worshiping God together, caring for one another and walking through life together. I remember when I was uh, first sort of looking to come to Rivers and, uh, and uh, sort of hearing about it. And even since I've started here, actually, and as I've sort of talked with different people, the thing that people say that they love about this church and about Rivers is that it feels like family. It feels like family. And I think that that's amazing. And that's certainly what I saw and was drawn to. And I think that's just something for us to keep pursuing. This is just something to keep pursuing. 
I want to throw out an encouragement as well to everybody, but probably particularly to younger generations here this morning. I want to throw out an encouragement to keep showing up. Keep showing up. Commit um, to show up and to engage with this awesome community. Um, I know that there is a lot competing for our time at the moment, um, and I know that through COVID, church de- de- um, attendance declined um, because I think people discovered, oh, Sunday morning, um, all the things I could do. Uh, but I want to throw it out there to keep engaging, to keep showing up, to keep being here. Um, it's so important uh, for us to be an intergenerational church that we all engage and come. It also means that we are authentic. And this is another thing I love about Rivers and the thing that everybody says um, is that it's such an authentic place. People can just be them here. And I love that. I love that so much, which is so good too because young people today are just so finely tuned to sniff out things that are inauthentic. So it's so good that we have a community here that is just real, where we can be real. I want to throw out an encouragement as well to the older generations among us. I just want to say that I love getting to know you. I love hearing about your life, about your experiences, about the things that have happened to you. I love that. And I know that in this day and age, it kind of doesn't really seem that young people are very interested uh, in things that are older or things that could be seen as irrelevant. And I think there's this idea that young people aren't interested in anything but, like, technology and each other or whatever. And sometimes it can feel like, as a church, we're in this competition with culture. Like, we the church, we're just over here doing our thing, being steadfast and faithful and uh, and just being us. And meanwhile, culture is over there just being flashy and so exciting and just so amazing. Uh, You know, it looks so amazing for young people. And I think we think, like, how can we ever compete with that? How can we compete with that? Well, I think we don't compete with that. I don't think we need to compete with that. I think that the statistics that Tim shared last week uh, reveal that these flashy and exciting promises of our culture um, actually are empty. It's actually failing younger people. Yes, they're, they're connected like never before through their phones, uh, through technology, but at the same time, struggling with loneliness and disconnection. And church, I think that's our cue. I think that's our cue to realize that older generations, in fact, are not irrelevant and unneeded in the lives of young people. In fact, you are completely relevant, you are completely needed, and we need you in our lives, maybe more than ever. And our job as a church, it's not to try and compete with culture for our younger generations. Our job is to stand in the gap when culture fails. And it does, and it will, And we can be the community that they are looking for. We can be the sense of connection uh, and a sense of belonging that they're looking for. So that's my encouragement to older generations who I think can feel so discouraged sometimes. I just want to say that we need you. We need you in our lives. We need to hear about your life. We need to hear about your struggles and the things that you faced and how you overcame them because maybe I can take something from your story and I can apply it to my story. We need one another. We need to show up and engage with one another. 
The second thing this morning I think uh, that we can, we can do uh, to be an intergenerational church is that we can acknowledge and overcome the barriers that, that are there to being an intergenerational church. We said we already know that there are differences between our generations, and that's not going to change. In fact, it's probably only going to get more pronounced as things continue to change at faster and faster rates. But let's not resign ourselves to that. Let's acknowledge the differences and the barriers that can sometimes make intergenerational church hard. Let's have a lot of grace for each other, and let's work through these things. I really don't think it should ever be us versus them when we're having a generational conversation. It's all of us together as one overcoming these barriers. So for example, I think one such barrier that can exist to being intergenerational is a language barrier. A language barrier. It sounds funny because we all speak English, but do we? <laughs> sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Um, sometimes older and younger generations can kind of speak this different language from each other. I remember, so before I went into uh, Bible college or ministry or anything like that, I studied nursing and I worked in aged care um, for a time. So I was probably like 18, 19 years old, and uh, I'm supporting this lady one day, this old lady, and she, uh, she has this problem, and she's, she's a bit upset, and she's like, I need your help. Um, the wireless is broken. The wireless is broken. I'm thinking, oh, I think she means the Wi-Fi. I think the Wi-Fi is broken. Um, she obviously, like, needs to Google something. Um, so I, like, go out to the, to the um, head nurse, and, like, the wireless, I think she means the Wi-Fi is broken. Of course, it was not the internet. It was, what was it? The radio. The radio was broken. So that was a, a, a lesson for me that day. Uh, that sometimes we just use different language, and sometimes it can feel foreign. Um, but often, actually, I think we can, be, we can be talking about the same things. Not in that scenario, but I think often we can be talking about the same things, but using different language. I think the answer to this is not to, therefore, communicate less and just, oh, well, don't worry about it then. I think the answer is to communicate more. Communicate more, talk and keep talking and get to know each other well enough that we know where the other is coming from and we can understand them and, uh, and get to the heart um, of the matter. I think another thing as well um, that can be a barrier to intergenerational church is a preference difference. Preference difference. Sometimes the way we like things to be done can differ between generations. Total generalization here, but I think sometimes older generations tend to like things to be, uh, to like things the way they've known things to be. Because if it's not fixed, why, if it's not broken, why fix it? If it's not broken, why fix it? And on the other hand, I think young people, again, generalization, but young people tend to like to innovate and find new ways of doing things. And sometimes we don't agree. Sometimes we don't agree. Society's solution to this problem, I think, is just to separate, like we've heard, um, separate everyone so that everyone can just have their own way and do their own thing and everyone can be happy. But that is not how church should solve this problem. I think the Bible is clear about that. I think we're, we're made to be together. So what do we do then? Well, I think it's really important we look at these things as barriers to overcome. And the way that we overcome these barriers is we make sure that we care more about each other, that we care more about people than we care about preferences. People come before preferences. We love each other more than the way we love things are done. 
We love each other more than we love the way things are done. We all have to hold our preferences loosely so that we can hold each other tightly. Sometimes there's going to be compromise. That's what, relation, that's what happens in relationships. But how much better to compromise on a preference or, or, or something that like, may not even matter in the long run than to compromise in a relationship or a person. So I think it's really important that we are open and encouraging to everybody, to all ideas, both old ways and new ways. But most importantly, let's love people more than our preferences. The last thing, the last thing for being intergenerational church that we can do is love and forgive one another. Tim talked about last week how love is the most important thing when it comes to a family that exists to glorify God. Again, we see this most fully in that in the early church in Acts when people wanted to join this movement, these, these Jesus followers, simply because of the way they loved one another. I think that this should always be our number one focus when it comes to being a family for one another. When I first arrived here on my very first day, Shane, uh, chairman of the elders, he came in to welcome me and, uh, and he said to me, um, what a forgiving place Rivers is. He said, we're so forgiving. I found that really encouraging. It's like he was saying, like, just go for it, Em. Like, give it a go. And uh, it means that there's room here to not always get it right because it turns out I don't always get it right. I am a human. But I felt so encouraged. This is a forgiving place. There's room here to love one another, to forgive one another. When we bump up against one another and we feel that, those, that sting of those generational differences, Ephesians chapter 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Love can be the thing that unites us and forgiveness and grace can be the thing that sets us apart. So there you go. That's three things that I think are really important when it comes to being an intergenerational church, when it, when it comes to the kingdom, being a kingdom family, um, that we engage with one another, that we keep showing up and, and being a part of building this warm community for everyone, that we acknowledge and overcome the barriers to being an intergenerational church, and really importantly, that we put people before preferences, and most importantly of all, that we love and forgive one another always. So my prayer is that we can continue to do this, that we can continue to find ways to connect through the, through the one thing that binds us together, Jesus, um, because what an incredible co kingdom community we are and will continue to be, a community that truly welcomes and embraces and encourages everyone, every generation together as one. And I think the other thing as well, that if we could continue to take this responsibility seriously, this responsibility to the future generations, um, and we continue to make this a warm community for young people as well, and encourage and sharpen and prepare the next generation, then we will have a mighty generation of Jesus followers to pass this baton on to. We will. We started with that passage in Deuteronomy earlier, where Moses instructs the generation to prepare and sharpen the coming generation. Well, the book of Deuteronomy finishes with old Moses finishing his race, as we all will do someday. 
and he passes his baton on to the next generation. And if I could use a Lion King reference really quickly, as the sun sets on Moses' time as leader, it rises with Joshua, this new young leader who fears God and has, who has been sharpened and prepared well. And it is Joshua who God uses to lead the next generation of Israel into the promised land and into glorious victory at Jericho. What an awesome picture of the generations, of one generation uh, sharpening and preparing the next. So I want to encourage us this morning, as we wrap up, to continue to take this responsibility seriously, to, to prepare these younger generations coming after us, that they may keep the faith, that they may run the race that is set before them, knowing that there is a great cloud of witnesses who are cheering them on. We who have already run this race or just a little bit further along the path, that we may cheer those on coming behind us, that we may spur them on into all that God has for them. So this morning, we have an amazing opportunity to practice this. As we gather together at at our family picnic, um, I hope you'll stay for that. Uh, And in just a moment, we're going to take communion together as a a, uh, community as well. Uh, But beyond today, beyond today, wouldn't it be awesome if we continue to practice these things? Let's keep showing up for one another. Let's keep overcoming the barriers that are sometimes there. And most importantly, let's continue to love one another. Going forward, we're going to be looking for ways to be able to practice this as a church, more ways to do this. Um, I reckon it would be awesome if we just continue to find ways to get together, find ways to get together with different generations. Um, We're hopefully going to have things like mentoring opportunities. That would be just amazing. Um, As well as just church events, just time where we come together in, in events just intentionally to be intergenerational community. So there's going to be lots of exciting ways to put this into practice. I hope you look out for those things. But for right now, we're going to come to communion. Um, And as we come to communion, why don't we just take a moment to simply focus on the one thing that binds us together, the one thing that unites us, who is Jesus. This is why we're all here. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus tells us uh, to eat the bread and drink the cup together to remember his body broken for us and his blood shed for us. This is the thing that unites us. So why don't we pray and then have communion together. God, we just thank you so much that you are here with us this morning. Thank you for this time to be able to worship you together, to come together uh, as a family, all generations. God, thank you that you are working in this church. Thank you that you already, there's so so much uh, connection between generations here at Rivers. There's there's already so much mentoring and, and just community that happens across generations just naturally. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that as we, um, as we continue on um, as a church, that this will only build and only grow. Help us, Lord, to take this responsibility for the next generation, for the coming generations. Seriously, I pray. Help us find ways to do this well, to do this faithfully, Lord. Thank you that you help us. Thank you that you guide us. 
Help us, most importantly, to love and forgive one another always. God, we just thank you most of all for what you have done for us. That in your love, you would sacrifice yourself so that we might know you. God, we are just so eternally grateful. Help us to just continue to work out what that means to be in relationship with you. Draw us closer to you, Lord. Transform us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Amen.